0: Welcome this morning. I'm so excited to have this opportunity uh, to share a word with you that has just been burning in my heart. And I just feel like it's a timely message, not just for River Valley Church, but also for our campus. And before I even begin, I just want to give her honor and where honor is due. And I just want to thank Pastor Rob, our lead pastor, for giving us young leaders an opportunity uh, to present the word because we know that we have one of the greatest lead pastors in the country, if not the world, and Pastor Rob Ketterling. And I could listen to him all day. Uh, And so I'm just so thankful that he has given up the pulpit, but also, Pastor Allen, uh, to just being allowed to speak uh, because uh, he is an incredible man of God, and he took me as a young 20s, not knowing direction, what God's calling me to do, and he, and he hooked me up with a junior high youth pastor, uh, who is basically like me, but an introvert, and we just kicked it off, and that's when I knew that God had something in me, stirring me, and then introduced me to uh, my wife while I was dating someone at the time, so he knows what God has planned better than I do, and so also, too, what's cool is this is the one year celebration of Pastor Alan, Heidi, Anya, and Magnus being at River Valley Woodbury. So it was, I. Yeah, I get to celebrate with you. We crossed paths. He moved from Phoenix. I went to Phoenix, and I was, and so it was kind of fun. So uh, we're so glad that you're here, and uh, we just really know that things are going to happen here in Woodbury. Can I hear an amen on that? Uh, for those of you who, uh, first time, I'm the youth pastor, and so here's the thing. I tell this to my youth a lot. Uh, I love to hear, if a, if a good point is given, uh, to hear an amen, or hear uh, you go white boy, or you go something, because I know this. It's not, uh, it's, you're not amening me. You're amening the words that I believe God is uh, putting in me to deliver to you. And, and I hope this challenge you encourages you and just, uh, let's get ready to roll. Come on, somebody let's pray real quick. Jesus, I thank you so much, uh, for your word. Uh, God, without your word and you, we would be nothing. So thank you so much. So we just love you. Uh, and everybody said, amen. Uh, I had uh, the privilege and honor of going to not one, but two, uh, Christian universities, uh, North Central University as well as Northwestern, uh, well, then college, now university. And they had this amazing policy. Uh, I'm sure a lot of it was in good intentions, but it drove us nuts is we were only allowed one day to have, uh, mixed gender in our room. Uh, and it was always Fridays, but there was, a but the, in that, moment, they have this thing called an open door policy, because they knew that if you get one day a week, a lot of damage could be done in one day. And so they're like, listen, we are not going to just let you go rampant. We have to have this book policy. And what the book policy is, is your door has to be the same width as a book. Uh, and that is how wide open or closed your door can be. And so me being a natural loop holder, uh, I found the smallest thing that had the word book in it, uh, which of course was a matchbook. Uh, and I put it in there and I got in trouble like within an hour. Uh, and they're like, your door is way too, I said, match book. And I just showed it to them. And they're like, what a literary book. That's what you got to do. I'm like, hey, you establish the rules. I'm just providing it. So whatever. Uh, but we just had this different uh, book policy. Another thing is an open door policy when it comes to business. Uh, there are a lot of businesses who try to establish an open door policy basically to let... The workers know that management is not this hierarchy over your head, only there to fire you or give you a raise type of thing, but that there's an openness uh, so that there's access all the time, uh, good or bad, that there's this amazing opportunity that they can just go into the management office and and talk, or I don't even know what it is. Uh, But as I was thinking about that, it reminded me and encouraged me that God always has an open door policy. And so that's my title for the message this weekend is God's Open Door Policy. And what encourages me the most is that no matter the situation, no matter what you're going through, no matter what you're struggling with, no matter what you're succeeding in, God's door is always open. And I think we need to have the mindset of if God has an open door policy, we should have an open door policy. And one thing that I love about our congregation is that when it comes to the kingdom of God, uh, not only does God have an open door policy, but we need to establish an open door policy so that when people come into the community and that when people want to find a place that they can feel most at home, they know that River Valley Church Woodbury Campus is a place that will not judge, but will open in arms, love them, and not condemn them, but will try to bring them to the truth. That's what I want our campus to be. That's what I know the type of campus Pastor Allen wants to be. And so I just want to encourage us, challenge us to let that be the congregation's view of what this campus can be. Because there, we just had Woodbury days. We must have talked to everyone in the community of Woodbury. And there are so many people who are looking for a home. And we want this place to be home for the community. I want there to be not enough seats in this building because we have such an openness to the community that no matter what they're struggling with, Uh they can be home here at River Valley Church. And so when you look at the history of open doors and what God has for us, it starts in the very beginning because he took this guy named Abraham, uh, who was Abram, and and this guy was messed up from the beginning. Like that's the thing that encourages me the most about the Bible. It's just filled with messed up people who just said yes to God, and then they get this like ginormous honor of being in the Bible, but they were some of the biggest screw-ups in the world. And I'm like, I'm not doing too bad. Uh, And so I look at someone at the very beginning like Abraham. And if God can use a person like Abraham to establish his nation with, as we continue on within the timeline of periods when it comes to the whole Jews versus Gentiles and all this type of thing, God's like, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter doesn't matter what you look like, how tall you are, how uh, skinny you are, how not skinny you are. It doesn't matter what it is. It doesn't matter if you're young, if you're uh, really young, or if you're extremely mature, because there's no such word as old. Can I hear an amen? Uh, It doesn't matter because you're a part of the family. And Paul, the Apostle Paul says this not once, but three times. In Romans 2.11, it says, for God does not show favoritism. Galatians 2.6 says, God does not show favoritism. And he, he didn't copy and paste, I promise. And then in Ephesians 6.9, he says, God is both their master and yours in heaven, and there is no favoritism. So do you think he's trying to get a point across, right? How many times have we been told things over and over and over, and it's the same thing, and you're like, oh, I should maybe remember that. Uh, Paul's trying to say, listen, God doesn't show favoritism, so neither should you. So you need to stop doing it. And so my main point that I want to establish before I really dive into it is this. If God allows an open door policy to people and does not show favoritism, how can we make sure that we don't close the doors on people who aren't a part of the family yet? Because we are the greatest guide to the door. And anyone who wants to be a part of the door and go through the door, which Jesus uh, will be, we can't get in the way. And so my first point is this, is Jesus is the door. Super simple. Jesus is the door. And when you look at uh, his whole history, he says this in John 7 through nine, he says, so Jesus said to them again, truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep, all who come Uh, Before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not hear them. I am the door. If anyone enters through me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. The thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. I come that they may have life and have it abundantly. On the screen, there's going to be a picture of a a sheep pen, and I, I. this verse obviously encouraged me, but once I saw the picture of this, it made sense. If you look at the, uh, a shepherd, basically what it is, they bring their sheep into that, little, uh, into that little pen, and there's a gap, right? They didn't have the cool luxury doors like we have now, whether it's a revolving door, an open door, a door we can open with a button, like uh, tap it with your foot. no, like There's some cool doors nowadays, uh, but there was nothing. And so the shepherd's like, I'm the door. Nothing gets through me. Or if it does go through me, we're all in trouble. And so I, re- I see that analogy and I read that verse and I'm just like, holy smokes, that's Jesus to everything that the world can come at us. And it's just amazing to think about this is like, once you go in the door, you're protected. Like when I was, when I was a kid, anytime I was behind my, my parents' legs, like that was the safest spot, uh, to be in the world because I knew that my dad and my mom were protecting me. And Jesus is like, listen, come through the door. The second you come through the door, you're safe, you're safe. And I'm just like, Oh my goodness, I don't understand. And it makes so sense. The concept now of to be saved, right? Cause you're safe from everything that's on the outside. And I think so many times too, as I think about it, there's so many Christian words that we say and we don't explain, right? Uh, and, and the term saved, we, uh, it, it's a thing we throw out all the time, but we don't understand the concept. And when I see that, and I think about danger, and then I think about being a father myself, and then I think about taking them to the state fair and all the creeps that could be there, and I'm just like, Oh, try to mess with me. Right. I did like 100 push push-ups today just in preparation for the fair and to eat a ton of cookies, but uh, mostly for protection. But it's just like I want my kids to feel safe. And when they're around mom and dad, they are going to be safe. When we are around the Savior, we are saved and we are protected and we are well off because anything that hurt us before, we now have the power of Christ around us, protecting us, holding us, and allowing us to run the life that he's called us to live, and that's a free life. And so when we realize that Jesus is the only door to salvation, and it's not because of our good works, it's not because of how many times we've been to church in a row, it's not because of all the uh, Bible verses we memorize, it's not because of all those things, they're not bad things, but it's not the thing that lead to salvation. Uh, the second point is this, we are not the door. So if Jesus is the door, we are not the door. And at this point, I just want all of us to just take this big, deep sigh of relief, right? Take the pressure off yourself because you don't bring salvation to people, right? You can have the wrong answer. It's okay to not know the answer. It's okay if someone asks you a question and you don't understand, you're like, you know what, that's a great question, I don't know. That's not going to hinder them from not receiving Jesus. But what could do it is if you make up an answer, if you think you know the answer, but you're not 100% accurate, or if somehow you make up a book in the Bible, which has been done before, and you're just like to establish a point, these type of things will not work out. Uh, But it's okay to say, hey, you know what? I don't know the answer, but let me find out. Right, And then you have amazing things like an alpha, uh, shameless plug, uh, and you can get the answers. You can ask the questions and you can have a safety net where you're around a group of people that may not know the answer either, but they were just smiling on them because they thought they had to know the answer too. And then all of a sudden they're like, oh, you don't know that question either? Sweet. I don't know that question either. Uh, and so then it brings the dialogue. And then that's when the community and the body of Christ comes closer because you're doing life together and you're studying God's word deeper and you're getting a better understanding of who he is. And that's what a relationship is all about. And so when we realize that we're not the door to salvation, we need to look at ourselves now more as like a guide. How many have ever been on a tour before? You can show hands. How many have been like on a tour, whether it's Chicago, New York, or any other fancy places? Those are the only two fancy places I've been to. Uh, but have you ever been a part of a terrible tour experience? We're like, are you sure this guy should be a tour guide because he sounds like he is miserable. Like, and you just don't care about the place that you're at because you're so focused on how like poorly this guy is executing this tour. And you're just like, bro. Like, first of all, you need a hug, uh, and then you probably like need a Red Bull or something. Like, what is this? On? But. You've had those bad experiences and then vice versa, you've had those moments where you have experienced the greatest tour of your life and you're in an area that's not even that cool but because the tour guide made it interesting, exciting and adventurous, you're like, I'd pay again, let's do it again. Like, can we do this again? And it's the same way when it comes to Jesus because he's the door, you're the guide to the door. So how are you explaining the door? Are you excited about it? Are you happy about it? Are you sad about it? Are you offended by it? What is, uh, what is your perspective of the guide? And if we are guides, we need to think every single day as we wake up, what type of guide am I going to be? It's too long for a bracelet. It's not as good as the WWJD thing, but like you have to think in your head, what type of guide am I going to be? Because every time you interact with someone, you should be interacting like you're interacting for Jesus. Right? Because we know we're not of the world. We're just in the world. So while we're in the world, how are we going to stir up some great crazy? Come on. Right? Why do you have joy when th- things are going terrible? Why, do you, why are you able to smile when a death happens in the family? Why are you able to know that you have the ultimate joy when you feel like life is here? Because you have life. You have the source. You have the truth. You are Walked through the door, and floodwaters can go through the sheep pen, but you know that you're safe. So bring that to the people who haven't come into the the the, the sheep pen yet. Because they're looking and they're wanting, they're just waiting for you to give them the reason why you're there, right? I think sometimes we give way too much weight to uh, the testimony of like, oh man, what am I supposed to say? What are the three points am I supposed to give? Like, how many verses do I do? Just like, what did Jesus do to your life? Who were you before and what are you after? And why is that the biggest difference? And I think too, sometimes I have to think of that. Like that challenge is like, okay, what, like, who was I before? Because some of us received salvation in Jesus when we were little babies and are like, well, I don't have the craziest story. You have the best story then because you never had that moment where you're in desperate need of Jesus. You just know that you do need Jesus. And before you get rock bottom, you just always look up and you just know that that's a safe place to be. And so we need to kind of remember that. So Jesus is the door. We're not the door. And so I know that when we live this lifestyle of wholeheartedly following Jesus, it's is—it's a sacrifice. It's hard because so many times we look at social media, we look at all these other things. And I will admit it, there's just some times you're just like, man, this is a lot more fun. Like this looks fun. But then it's like, What's that next day outcome? Like, is it worth it? Uh, is, is that something? And I love what Jesus even said. He said in Matthew 7, he goes, even though the, the, uh, the narrow gate, for the gate is wide and the way is broad that leads to destruction, there are many who enter for the gate is small and the way is narrow and it leads to life and there are few who find it. And so if, if following Jesus was easy, everyone would do it. Everyone would do it. Uh, but it's not. And so we need to, again, establish why is it critical that they do, right? Because we're not saying, hey, listen, it is, it, it is like getting licked with puppies every single day. Uh, it's like jumping in a meadow where you get Skittles, just like rainbows actually come down with Skittles. It's not like that. And if we're advertising it that way, we're not doing it justice. We're saying, listen, it's a sacrifice. It's hard, but it's the greatest way, right? Always end it with the positive. You're just like, but... What my life was like without, or what it could have been like without, (laughs) I'd rather just say no now and then live that way. And here's why you need to do it as well. And so we look at this and we're just like, oh my gosh, like this is amazing. Uh, But here's the thing too, is we can't make the decision for people. And I think that's the hardest thing in the world is that we want to make the decision so badly for them especially when they're loved ones, when they're close to us, we're just like, no, you're, you're so close. Like, like, you just know that they're close or you know that they're struggling. and You're like, I just need one more thing to just like happen and it's gonna happen. And you wish that you could do it for them, right? Uh, and I love my dad, but he taught me nothing when it comes to fixing stuff. Uh, And I'm just like, I wish, dad, you could have taught me how to do this so that instead of just doing it yourself. And I think so many times we just want to do it for other people, receive salvation for other people, that we need to realize that if we make a decision, guilt factor, do something like that to them, it's not authentic. It's not real. And then they'll kind of be like, oh, this is a cool door. Oh, inconvenience. go right back out the door. And you're just kind of like, okay, then what was the point? anyways like i thought you were going to church and like man because it wasn't their decision and once it becomes their decision uh we need to realize that Jesus is always standing at their door and so you look at the analogies of the door Jesus is saying listen you can walk through the door and i will be ready i will be available all like this but every single day to the people who don't know him he's standing at the door and he's like i'm waiting I'm waiting. I'll stay here all all day. I'll stay here for years. I'll stay here, uh, until you're on your deathbed. I will stay at the outside of your heart until you call for me. And I look at the patience that that takes. And I'm just like, I just get frustrated when my kids say no the first time. Like, I don't understand that type of patience, but how, think of that. And this is just the, 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 the fullness of who Jesus and his love is like. How many times, like as parents, how many times when they, your kids tell you no once that you're just like, oh, say no again to me, I beg you, right? It's kind of like, like that. But then all of a sudden, how many times do we say no by the lifestyles that we choose and the decisions that we make and we are ultimately saying no to Jesus, but yet he's still like, well, guess what? I still love you. I'm still waiting for you. Yeah, keep, like, keep doing that, but it's gonna bring you emptiness. But keep, I'll, I'm, I'm waiting. And then the second you open that door, I'm gonna walk right in. Because he's not saying, all right, you opened it. Now prove it to me that this, this is the truth, that you mean it. You open that door, he'll walk right in. doesn't matter what you've done doesn't matter what you're doing. The second you confess your sins and you believe in your heart that Jesus is Lord, he's like, I'm yours. And I don't grasp that type of forgiveness. And I just am like, I think about those types of things. And I'm like, there are so many uh, concepts. And there's so many ideas where I'm like, well, what if I did this? Or what if I do that? And I know that a lot of us struggle with those, uh, like those rotational sins. It just keeps happening over and over and over. And you're just like, how can he keep forgiving me? And Jesus, like he uses the analogy of just the forgiveness. It's not like you can only forgive him seven times, but it's the seven times 70 and all those things. But as rational people, we're just like, okay, yeah, I get that. But it's like, you don't know all of the things I'm struggling with. And the great thing is you just like, yeah, you know, I created you. So yeah, I know what you're struggling with, but guess what? I still love you. I still died for you. And I didn't just stop at dying for you. I rose again three days later so that you could have freedom, so that you could have access to me. Like, thank goodness we don't live in a day where we have to kill lambs and go to a priest and, you know, all those type of things. First of all, gross. Uh, but second of all, like you have e- instant access, 24 hours a day. If you get woken up in the middle of the night at 2 PM or 2 AM, uh, well, 2 PM, if you work night shifts, uh, but if you wake up in there and all of a sudden you're just not kind of like, oh my gosh. And then, and just conviction hits your heart. You have access to Jesus. You don't have to wait for 10 AM on a Sunday morning. You don't have to do it. And that's the freedom we get when we seek Jesus, when we walk through the door being Jesus, we get freedom and we need to be the type of people that need to ask the prayers, not just for us, but for others. And I love, uh, what, what James says in there. He goes, uh, you do not have because you do not ask. This is a command to bold prayers and to ask bold prayers because God wants us to give good things to his children. So he's like, you haven't asked, you don't have because you don't ask. But here's the thing, when we read a verse like that, uh, the great thing is Jesus isn't Santa Claus. He's not, uh, you know, just like a genie in a bottle. He's like, oh, okay, you asked for the Powerball numbers. Sure, whoop, here you go. Uh, He's not gonna do that. Uh, But he's like, listen, uh, you ask, with the right heart and the right motive. Later on in that verse, he's like, You didn't ask, or you, you asked and you do not receive because you asked with the wrong motive so that you may spend it on your pleasures. And we look at that verse and I'm just like, Oh my gosh, how many times did I pray and I didn't think, uh, Jesus, I want this so that my neighbor can know about Jesus. God, I need this promotion because I want the higher ups to hear about Easter Sunday. I'm not asking for this because I want uh, more uh, funds so that my whole family can go on a global project because global project impacted me. What is the motive of what we're asking Christ for? Because uh, if, if we have salvation, we have it. And so it's every request needs to be about others then. Because we have it. We have it. And so we need to say, how can we start praying so that others can start getting the benefit? Uh, I'm not going to read the whole passage, but in Matthew 7 it's another verse about ask, seeking, and knocking, but in some translations, uh, the golden rule is, is tied in with that same type of paragraph. And so instead of being it broken up, I love it. It was like, you need to ask, seek, and knock about getting gifts because, uh, it says, therefore, whatever you do unto others, you will do the same to them. And so it's like, you need to start asking gifts so that you can give them away. And so my thing is this, and I've struggled with this too. It's like, God, I've been asking for a gift for so long and I haven't received it. And then it just kind of, literally as I was writing this message, I heard this. I felt like God was saying this, why would I give you a blessing when you're a selfish blesser? And so why would God wanna bless a selfish blesser when he's already waiting for you to use the blessing that he's already previously given you and you're just kind of holding out on it? So for some of you, he's already blessed you with the community that you're in that you're trying to move out of, but you haven't reached them for Jesus yet. Some of you haven't gotten the promotion because there's a wing that needs to hear about Jesus. I don't know what your story is, but the great thing about it is Jesus does. Jesus knows every story. He knows, like, if you think of the the analogy of all the sand on the shore, and he's like, I know every single one of them. Every person sitting here, every person not sitting here, he knows, he created, and he believes wholeheartedly that someday they will be a part of his family. So let's get that same motivation. Let's get that same optimism. There's no person that is outreaching God's love. And so as I'm closing, I just want you to, to recap the question, how do we not show favoritism and a closed door, but how do we instill the open door policy? Number one is this, remember the open door policy. If a true open door policy means that everyone at any time, at any place, at any moment can have access to Jesus, we need to be available to it. And this is the hardest one, we need to be okay with it. Because we're we're human. There are some people that were just like, Praise God, praise God! I'm so excited for them. Like we just kind of have this like grit our teeth moment. And favoritism means no matter who the person is, no matter if you like them, dislike them, they're a part of the family when they receive Jesus. I had a I had an incredible opportunity to lead our global project, our youth global project, to the the country of uh, Georgia, the Republic of Georgia, and we went through a Joseph Stalin museum, and it was probably one of the most um, convicting, most challenging, and just kind of gross feeling tours that I've been a part of because the whole upper level was all about the great things he done, he had done uh, with military, just as a personal uh, goals, all this thing growing up. And then you went down these stairs uh, and it showed uh, all of like the people that he had killed. And it was like millions that he was accounted for. And we were like, just kind of like, Stuck in there and we didn't really know what to do because we were just like holy smokes one person like millions of lives that he's like accredited for for murdering and we walked out and I just was like here's the crazy thing if he was on his deathbed and he truly sought forgiveness Jesus would forgive him and I like had a I had a verbal like confrontation with one of my leaders because he didn't agree with me and I was like whoa you're trying to tell me that if we say that Jesus like will forgive all who confesses it. Like no one is out of the reach. And even the person who's accredited for millions of lives, no one is out of God's reach. So today, wherever you are, you are not out of God's reach. Your family who has said no nine times they are not out of God's reach. Your bosses, your coworkers, your classmates, your neighbors, they are not out of God's reach. So we need to be a community that is all about reaching those, and not taking no for an answer. The second one is this. Remember, Jesus is the way, not us. And I love what Paul says in 1 Corinthians 3. He says, I planted, Apollo waters, but God gave the growth. So then neither the one who planted nor the one who waters is anything, but only God who gives the growth. Now who plants and who he who waters are one, and each will receive his own reward according to his labor. And I just want to encourage you. You might be talking to people, you might be encouraging people, you might be planting seeds, you might be watering, and you're just you're just discouraged. You're like, oh, why isn't this happening? And it's not your responsibility, but you just need to be obedient with what God's called you to do, to talk to your neighbors, to talk to your classmates, to talk to your coworkers, to talk to He's called you to do those things. And he's saying, listen, you be obedient with that, you let me be God. Just let me be God, let me do what I do best. And that is reach the people who you feel like at the moment you feel like they're unreachable, I'll get them, I'll get them. We've been around for three years as a campus. We've bloomed, we're here, we're making it. There's fruit coming. There's fruit coming, there's salvation happening. There's people who are gonna be reached. Like I said, this building is not big enough for us. There's fruit coming. As a person who grew up in this community, it is a privilege and honor to be here, but it's even more a privilege and honor when I see the Woodbury community and the surrounding cities not just go to church, but have a relationship with Jesus. No longer are they going to live a religious walk, but they are going to have a freedom that they've never experienced before. And it's because a group of young men and women in this building from this day forward are saying, it is not about me, but it is about Jesus. And I am going to bring them to the door and Jesus is going to do what he does best and bring salvation to those. So the... the the, the tree is blooming the fruit is coming and my encouragement to this and this is my final point is a missed opportunity doesn't mean a closed door A missed opportunity does not mean a closed door. The only time there is a closed door is when Christ comes back to this earth to bring uh, his followers. Until then, until you have uh, 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 blood in your veins and breath in your lungs, there is hope, there is a moment, and there is an opportunity. And you look at people all the time and you're just like, okay, I missed it, I missed it. Think about the Israelites, they missed it for 40 years, but they're still the the chosen people. You think about us. We've missed it all the time, but we are constantly forgiven. So if you feel stuck, don't feel like it's stuck, but feel like it's a divine pause. What are you going to do with the divine pause? What are you going to do with the moment that God's calling you to right now? Because I feel, again, I go back to it fruit's coming. If you feel like you've been hitting your head on a wall, if you feel like you've been saying the same thing over and over to the same people, fruit is coming. Just be consistent, be obedient, and be a great guide. Can we bow our heads real quick? I feel like there are some of those in in this building that are just saying, you know what? One of these things spoke to me, and I feel like there, there's like a rejuvenation of passion, of drive, of motive to reach. You don't have to go across the country to be a missionary. All you have to do is look outside your neighbor's door. And so I just wanna know the team that is, f- is, is feeling me this morning about reaching our neighbor's reaching those that feel unreachable. And we're not stopping until we see a hand raised and salvation happening. And so I, this is a bold, this is a a statement, but if you are with me, I want you to stand. If you are with me, I want you to stand. If you are tired of seeing this be a religious community, but are ready to see a life-filled environment and a life-filled community, I want us to just start praying over our neighbors. I want us to start praying over those our coworkers. I want you to start vocalizing those people that you see on a daily basis and have wanted to but now are asking for the boldness to speak to. And I want us to just start lifting prayers up right now as not a God can you but God will you and when you I give you the praise and so can we start doing that? we're going to kind of just go into this moment and I want us to just lift it let's lift our neighbors up let's lift our co-workers up let's lift our, our families up because if we don't do it, who will? if it's not us, then who? I believe that God will answer the prayers of those who are seeking Him the hardest who are going after those who need Him the most and why not you? why not our campus? why not right now? So can we lift our hands and can we just start leaning on to Jesus's mercy? Can we just start leaning on to his goodness? Can we start leaning on to if he can't do it, then we won't be able to do it, but we know that he can do it because he is that type of God. Jesus you hear the cries of of your people God you hear the names that they're being lifted up. God, I just pray that that is not an empty prayer. God, that that is not an empty name. God, that is a person that you have created. God, that you love wholeheartedly. And God, that you know that there is going to be a time. God, that they are going to cry out to you. And we are pre-celebrating the moment that that is going to come to fruition. God, we look to you and we know that is the the hope that we can lean on. And that is the truth that we can depend on. God, it's not a false, but it's a, a, a dominant truth and a firm foundation that only through you that we can do those things so we thank you for what you're doing in this place we know that the best is yet to come in this community and this church and we thank you for what you're doing we love you and everybody said amen and amen can we sing this song one more time I have this hope